John Sheezer, I'm here. Eric Marino. Eric. No, I gotta tell you about the Clippers. Sportsaholics, I gotta. Let's just hope this shit doesn't go. Tú y yo mis labios besando tus labios, no sé. Piénsalo. What are you dealing with? That uh, temper is dropping out there in L.A., is it, Cheese? Uh, there's still a lot more to talk about, but we have a big interview. We haven't had an interview since we've won our more weekly style. Why don't we get to the interview, and then we're going to talk Mahomes and the Patriots, both 4-0, as the Chiefs and Patriots both stay perfect in the first four weeks. We're going to stay. We're going to come back to that before we finish the show, but right now we have an interview... And back for the second or third time, Todd Munson, longtime friend, huge sports fan, Nebraska native, California resident, or, or should I say Glendale? But either way, Todd. Yeah, Los Angeles, yeah. I'm driving through Glendale right now. There you go. Actually. There you go. I have to... Uh, I'm doing the Sunday uh, thing of going to get a, a three-month supply of cat litter at a horse supply store in Burbank before they close at four. Why do so, I feel like good time. With, with cat litter, if you would have bought in four pounds, you have to bring an ID and prove you're not making a bomb, but like three pounds. Oh, of, yeah. <laughs> like, the, like what, like thermite or whatever? Yeah. Or <laughs> what do you need this for? No, My cats, they poop everywhere. Right, right. No, it's a, it's a, it's a little uh, cat owner trick for your listeners. Like the feline pine, the real fancy cat litter that's like nine bucks a bag at a pet store. It's the exact same stuff that they use, people use to uh, line horse stalls with. And for nine dollars, you can get a forty-pound bag at a feed supply store. So about one fifth the cost, roughly, or yeah. a fourth of the so, cost. Yeah. So I'm just making my uh, every three month drive to get two hundred and forty pounds worth of cat litter. <laughs> nice, nice. And uh, well, and then you know, you're you're. After this past weekend's Nebraska game, um, listeners, uh, if you didn't catch Todd on previous episodes, you can find his work at thebigredfury.com. And uh, Nebraska alum, Nebraska blogger, uh, I'll say vlogs now. You've ventured into video blogging, uh, which... Yeah, and, yeah. And Todd and I know each other from comedy. So Todd is funny. Um, so I'd recommend checking both of those out, the vlogs, just bigredfury.com. But... Where I was going at is you lost again. You're used to losing. Um, not yeah, to... it doesn't get any easier, though. It's, and you can pinpoint these crushing losses to Missouri back in, I want to say, like, 05, 06. Like, yeah. I mean, we're going on 15 years of this crap, so. I mean, you say crushing not loss easy. to Missouri, but then if a certain Davidson doesn't kick a ball up, catch a ball in his fingertips, you know, and. Doesn't that cost you your national championship season in 95? Or was that... Uh, that was 97, the Miracle of Missouri. Yeah. Um, that was the first time in that era that a number one ranked team, which was Nebraska, dropped in the rankings because of a victory. So that was that, that, that win was great, but people forget that it actually hurt Nebraska really bad that they had to rely on a miraculous last-second catch to uh, tie the game and then win in overtime. But, and just since yeah. we're on Missouri getting screwed over, let's not forget the fifth down in Colorado. I think that was 89. Uh-huh. Uh, that was 80. No, 90. That was, that was 90. 1990. Yeah, Colorado's yeah. national championship uh, season. And I, I watched that recently, like the week before Nebraska played uh, Colorado. I was uh, pulling out some old clips just to talk trash online on Twitter to Colorado fans. That was one of the ones I pulled and it was so obvious that it was five down. Yeah. It's I, just like, they're just like, like, yeah, it was so blatantly obvious. That's so just, a, I that's, can't believe the coaches weren't like losing their mind over it. But It's just Missouri falling victim. Like they were just so bad. They were just in the game and just panicking. Like, oh, what do we, you know, and just, it was, yeah, yeah just a weird, uh, a weird play. 
But not to get That's not to old. dwell on Missouri football from thirty years ago. Let's let's dwell yeah. on let's dwell on Nebraska football yeah. in the present day. What is going is is there a hot seat at all or is is frost no there's no hot seat with frost this is he's the ride or die and maybe five years from now if it doesn't work out when his contract's up maybe things will get a little warm from under the uh, seat cushion but um yeah this is the kind of thing though last night that my brother had the best take on it because i had a friend hit me up for some gambling advice. My brother's the one in the family who lays, like, real bets. And I asked about the 17-point spread. He's like, the 17 points is irrelevant. They're either losing by 40 or winning by 40. Like, there's no middle ground. And he was exactly right. It was crazy. They lost by 41. That was, that was Saturday. They could have won the game. That was, in, that was a home game as well, correct? But yeah. I was up at 6 a.m. to watch game day. Slept in our backyard fort so I wouldn't make noise when I woke up, like, had a little camp out. I'm like, this is awesome. They're back. And then they had to play the game. And that just ruined it. And listeners, so, he yeah. when he says fort, he has a legit grown man fort that's probably, what is that, like 200 square feet back there? I mean, it's a nice size. Uh, it's about three to 400. It's, it's a good size. It's a yeah. full size like family room. Not only that, it sits up on a hill and it's got screen windows that look out. And then, like, you can open and close. You know, so if it starts raining that five times a year that it rains, you can shut shut everything up. But there's TVs inside, comfortable seating. Yeah, bar, egg fridge. Oh. So it's it's the stupidest, best thing ever. So. And it was, it's actually really comfortable to sleep up there at night. It's like halfway camping out. I know. So. That's what we call adult camping. In uh, Yeah, glamping. But this is also why you get knocks on your door from neighbors down the street asking if you want to hang out and be like, aren't you 52? Yeah. Yes, yes, I am, but I need out of my house desperately. Can yeah. I get can I get in your backyard? When we first moved in there, a guy who lived down the street um, was, uh, you know, kind of introduced himself, and then he's like, so you keeping that fort back there? And I'm like, yeah, do you want to come over sometime? He's like, that'd be great. <laughs> Had a lot of good so, times up there. Yeah. Oh, it's fun, but, man, I came last night really, really hurt. So, I mean, you it was weren't good ex- to have one that kind of hurt, you know, it was painful. You weren't expecting to win on Saturday, though. I mean, it, that. I mean, I, I guess for a miracle season, be like that would have been the turning point for the program, and you yeah, know, yeah, no, it would have been a defining win. Like it's this happened in Nebraska for like the last, like even going into the Bo Pelini era, like the table set for just the best comeback kind of victory, you know, like Nebraska's finally, you know, hey, look, it's Nebraska again. They had game day, first game day for the first time since 2007 yesterday. So it was just like, well, everything was there. And then it's like they just shat the bed. So we should be used to it by now, but it doesn't get any easier. But I just would have hoped they would have played him into the fourth quarter, you know. Like that would have been good of just – What did – okay, when he – Did they even play him into the first? I mean – was no, it, uh, they went. They went up twenty-one nothing on. Oh. Uh, no, it was seventeen nothing. Twenty-four. They scored seventeen. Or no, twenty-one out of their first twenty-four points off of turnovers. Every inter- all three interceptions that Adrian Martinez threw got converted to touchdowns. So that was just awful. Like they started the first drive, they're moving the football. Uh, interception. Second drive, same thing. Third time. The uh, they actually marched on the field and were about to make it fourteen to seven, and he just uh, Adrian Martinez just got a little air under the pass. Ball got tipped. The ball fell in to the bread basket of the Ohio State defender who was literally laying on his back because he tripped. <laughs> like the ball just fell out of the sky, hit him right between the numbers, and you're just like, this is such bull crap. And then they went around and turned Ohio State turn that interception into a 96-yard touchdown drive. And that's when you're like, all right, this one's over. But luckily, out the end. on the West Coast, you're like, oh, it's still 8-15. I can go back to sleep. You know. Yeah. That. Uh, now, is there any excitement with the Iowa thing? Is that exciting that, at all that, to you? I was always baffled that, that that was never, that they never played each other. It just seemed like such a no, natural thing. 
And Nebraska's really, because when they left the Big 12, well, even when the Big 12 was formed, they lost out on the every year with Oklahoma rivalry. And then Colorado, we kind of came the default rival. And I lost that. And it's like Nebraska fans are like, we need a rival, and Iowa makes the most sense. And so every week leading up to the game is known as Iowa Hate Week. And each year it kind of just gets ratcheted up a little bit more. And at this point, like, if the season were a total wash, it would be a victory if they could beat Iowa, just to get back on that one. So, yeah, I mean, Iowa fans talk a phenomenal amount of trash for a team who's like their best stretch is on par with Nebraska's worst stretch. But to them, that's miraculous. Yeah, so it's like it's Iowa's best stretch is they're like we went nine and three and we saved fifty two kids from dying of cancer this fall. You know, it's yeah, like, which is good, which it's is great. Things, but you didn't. You got you lost three games though. How'd you lose to Illinois? How did you lose to Illinois? You know, something like you know. I don't know. They're always good. Yeah. But they're like Wisconsin, not quite good enough. You know. Yeah. The Big Ten is always so. just playing second fiddle or third fiddle. Uh, I mean, they're always better than the Pac-12 because I mean, living out here, it's almost laughable how bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How, how bad college football is, which I don't understand at all. But do you get into Pac-12, Pac-10? I, I like watching Oregon just because a friend's brother's been a long-time coach there. So I, I kind of have an affinity. Because he watches the Husker games, so I'm always checking in on Oregon that way. And then uh, plus with Scott Frost being a uh, coach there for a long time, that was a big draw. And then – just from Dodger fan friends who are USC fans, I like watching that, but, oh, I felt bad for them. Like, they're all counting down to uh, Urban Meyer taking over next year. Like, to them, it's almost a given that he's already the coach. So, at halftime during their game against Washington on Saturday, Urban Meyer was, like, almost, like, breaking down film about what they needed to do for adjustments. And it's like, yeah, I think he's auditioning for the job he already has. Making that good impression. Is Mark a USC guy? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. I, and Mark, listeners, is uh, sits. The, he has season tickets in front of Todd's season tickets at the Dodger Stadium. Diehard Dodgers fan. Yeah. Passionate. His, uh, twi- yeah, he's just an all-around sports fan. But his Twitter bio is, and it's accurate, hundred percent accurate. Is I'm the least calm person at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> yes you'll often see him with both hands on his head like yeah even on a, like a like a, a, a like a second strike looking that was yeah. maybe a bit outside he'll be just like, what what yeah <laughs> and they could probably hear him down on the field but no um oh yeah yeah he could i could but, see him yeah. being a usc guy just yeah loves usc and then the Kings are his other team. And one of the playoff games, or it's that weekend, it's like the Kings have their home opener. I think USC plays Notre Dame or somebody. But he was already, like, has a meltdown penciled in on his calendar for, like, like sports Armageddon. So. He's like, I'm going to need extra anxiety medication. And the only yeah. reason I said he, he seems like a USC fan is just because they're really just unrealistic and – loud <laughs> compared to the UCLA fan just doesn't exist at all. So no, um, uh-uh. that's why you just assume if anyone's a sports fan in LA, they're probably a, an SC fan. Um, now t- let's talk about the big red How long have you been running the site? Uh, what was the inspiration uh, think- for doing it? Um, yeah, we'll start with that. Uh, yeah, this is the, I want to say the fifth season now and it's, started because on Sundays I'd spend the entire bulk of the day just reading about the game, and I was just like, I should probably just try to do something productive with this. So it started out as kind of just a little thing to, you know, just sort of get out some, uh, like, a little creative outlet and then show my wife that the hours I spend obsessing over the Huskers every week can kind of go towards something. And then, uh, yeah, between that and then a real smart-ass Twitter account, it's sort of become, I'm trying to think of a good way to uh, place it in the pantheon of, like, Husker Media, but, like, for the people who are fans of the site, they really enjoy it, and then other people, when they 
discover a random article or a tweet or something. You're just sort of like, where's this thing been? So it's kind of fun. And that every every season it grows more and more. So that, I mean, that's the main, fun, the main thing. There's so many outlets for news and information. It's just consistency, yeah. which is the thing we st- st- uh, <clears throat> excuse me struggle with here on Sportsaholics. Is just the yeah. you know right now we're tinkering with like an every other day you know one for the weekend kind of a format, but um, no, but the yeah. consistency is the main thing. And listeners, that's at Big Red underscore Fury for Twitter um, yeah. and on Instagram. If you go to Big Red Fury, you'll see a guy who just has an empty account. That's a good name. Yes. Yeah, it's Better very... feel that back At Big Red underscore Fury, F-U-R-Y. And, but you did go to Nebraska. Was it... Was it... Went to Nebraska. Was there for the glory years. So three national titles in my five years. So uh, that... Uh, it didn't seem like such a big deal back then. But now that there's been a couple of decades between it, you're like, that was actually really awesome. So... I worked in the uh, I was one of the sports directors for the campus radio station and watched every game from the press box except for my freshman year. And that was just, it was incredible. It's like, yeah, we're watching every game on the 45-yard line and, yeah, not losing. They lost one home game in five years when I was there, and that was the weirdest thing ever. So, uh, who, like, nobody knew how to act. It's been that long. Was it K-State? Who got you? Uh, it was Colorado, uh, no, uh, Texas Halloween of 98. Wow. So Texas was, Halloween 98. I'm like, I have no idea who would have been on that team. That is way before uh, Ray Williams or Ricky Williams, maybe. I think Ricky might have been a freshman. I'm trying to remember. But they had a couple of, like, Haas. But that's like, like, Nebraska had some, like, Haas running back opponents come in, like, that same year. Or, no, I take it back. It was 97. Dante Culpepper came to town with uh, Central Florida. <laughs> And he threw for like 400 yards, and he still lost by like three touchdowns. But, but still, that was like, pretty great. everyone on Monday is like, yeah. we almost lost to Central Florida. What's we got to roll some heads? Like, oh no, I remember at the post game press conference, it was almost like a loss. Like people were just like the media would get really scared to ask Tom Osborne anything. You know, like, well, that guy's an NFL caliber quarterback, so <laughs> of course yeah. some stuff's going to happen. You know, especially back then when. You know, it was Big 12, and Big 12 really didn't produce many NFL guys, like, at the quarterback position. And here comes this dude from Florida just chucking the ball 60 yards every pass. Yeah, that was one of the uh, – he was one of the first big guys to kind of – I mean, really, like, uh, Cam Newton style, Ben Roethlisberger kind of style, just yeah. toss people off of him and just throw the ball 50 yards downfield. Um, yeah, monster. And he so was – Able to, you know, he's got that famous comeback at Marshall where he's getting carried down the field, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. Byron Leftwich. Uh, or wait, no, no, that was Leftwich, not Culpepper. I'm sorry. I got my giant quarterbacks uh, mixed up. Yeah. Um, actually, speaking of quarterbacks, I wanted to run some old Nebraska quarterbacks by you and get you just yeah. first off the top, you know, first thing that comes to Let's mind. Do this. 86, 87, 88, Steve Taylor. Steve Taylor threw for five touchdown passes against UCLA with Troy Aikman on the other sideline. Really? So he was uh, he was my first guy. So as far as like being old enough to get into football, it kind of went New Turner Gill, just the name, kind of mythical figure. And then it was like, all right, Steve Taylor, like he's gonna be the quarterback. And then yeah, but no, he played in Canada for a long time. Won a CFL championship, a Grey Cup. Oh, okay. But it was one of those deals when you're a kid, you just assume he's going to go on to the NFL and become the greatest quarterback ever. And you're just like, what? what? Yeah. Why like, is he in the CFL? Yeah. Yeah, you don't have any context of, like, what quarterbacking it in the scheme of things. You're like, no, he's the best. Why isn't he playing? So, felt that way with a lot of Nebraska players. Yeah. I mean, it's like explaining to a 10-year-old me why Christian Leitner isn't getting drafted before Shaq. You know, like, yeah. Why? He's the player <laughs> of the year. He's great. Uh, yeah. uh, 1989, a, a one and only Jerry Gudkowski. Jerry Gudkowski. He was good. And I want to say, and I, I'm going to get shot by Nebraska fans if I get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was a Nebraska native. And they got blown out in the Fiesta Bowl against Florida State. Yes. But he was a good quarterback. He had, he could run. Man, you're so, good, man. Yeah, he uh, he both 
rushed and threw for more than a thousand yards that season. Thirty-one touchdowns, went ten and two, uh, got him to the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, yeah, not bad. I watched that game in our ba- I watched that game in our basement. I remember that. I'm like thinking they would come back. Like even as a kid, I was like, I'm gonna go downstairs and watch the game because I can focus better down there and they'll come back. And watch so. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So that's some sports holic stuff right there. Change seats, get the mojo going differently. Yeah. Uh, uh, 87 game of the century with Oklahoma. I refuse. That was like an even. It was like a twilight kickoff time, and we were the Catholic family that go to six o'clock uh, mass on Saturdays just to get it out of the way. That one that's like you just go through the motions you're out in 42 minutes i refused to go to church because i believe the huskers would come back and i had to go to like the prime time main event 11 a.m sunday mass the next day with myself <laughs> you're like i don't care so, i was like, sacrificed yeah, sitting through an hour and 20 minute mass as a kid just because oh. it was no big deal for a nine-year-old to go walk to church by himself back in the day yeah 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 so, dude that's uh well, let's take it to 91. Keith and McCant, did I say that correctly? Keith and McCant got replaced by Tommy Frazier. So, he was a senior and got bumped out by Tommy Frazier. Yeah, so it's, uh, actually he's kind of got like junior varsity version of uh, Jerry's stat or Gary's stats with uh, 600 yards passing or 1,400 yards passing, 600 rushing, 13 touchdowns. Not bad, not bad, but definitely. Yeah. Um, what about Mike Grant? Does that do anything for you? Oh, Mike Grant uh, took a red shirt his junior year, so he could be the starter his senior year, and that's when Tommy Frazier fully took over. <laughs> yes. So he was somebody who just kind of, yeah, Tommy Frazier showed up and just wrecked it for everybody else. But that was a big deal that Mike Grant took a red shirt his junior year. So that he could play like he would be the start and it's like yeah sorry Tommy Frazier's here I think um, he coaches at Wyoming or he's a he coaches somewhere um then of course Tommy Frazier let me for me it's just him shedding blockers like he's covered in margarine um yeah. in the national championship <laughs> yeah. game and what was that I, was that, that 93 like, uh no that was uh 95 95 Florida 93 they could have won three in a row, but they got hosed against Florida State in the Orange Bowl, where they uh, Florida State fumbled going across the goal line, but the officials still called it a touchdown when it was the clearest fumble. Like, the ball was out of the Florida State running back's hands going over the line. Like, there was no contact with the ball, and they still called it a touchdown. But um, with the run, though, against Florida, I'll never forget the play because we're, we watched we had like a party – at our Flophouse apartment in college, and I'm like, oh, Tommy Frazier's being tackled. I'm going to dunk my chip and some cheese. I was eating nachos, and then I, I, then I looked back up. He was still running. I couldn't believe what happened. That, that play is seared into my mind because I took a nacho break in the middle of it. That's You managed to get three chips in before you even got to the 20. 96, 97, the current coach of Nebraska, Scott Frost. What yeah. is, his college career, what is that? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind <laughs> is just how unfairly Nebraska fans treated him when he came back. Because he originally went to Stanford to play under Bill Walsh. And oh, Nebraska yeah. fans as a whole were really butthurt about it. But if you've ever been to the Stanford campus, you'd be like, why wouldn't you go to college here? Anything? But then when Bill Walsh retired, Scott transferred back. And people were really sort of just like, oh, Golden Boy's coming back finally. You know, really kind of just unfair to him. And I think Nebraska fans kind of owe Scott a little bit of leeway for him realizing that, you know, he's still as a Nebraska guy. And it wasn't anything bad. Like, if social media existed back then, it probably would have been horrible. But just the chatter at bars and games, you know, just talking quarterbacks and stuff. And then, yeah, Nebraska fans weren't fair to him, but then the, they won the national title, and people kind of warm up to the guy after that. But I mean, then big, big shoes really, to fill. Yeah. And, then, and he had a really funny uh, throwing motion. That was my other thing. Because his mom, Carol Frost, was an Olympic medal-winning shot putter, and he almost looked like he was shot putting the ball when he threw it. 
but his whole family's a family of like athletic badasses. So, so was he a California he kid? Have... No, he grew up uh, two towns over from my hometown. Okay. You see him on the weekends uh, cruising the Conestoga Mall in his Wood well, River. Well, dude, Litter no wonder Michigan. they hated him. You can't be the local. I mean, you can't be Eric Montross in Indiana and then go to North Carolina and then try to come back. You know? Yeah, no, he was as local as you got. Oh, and yeah. No wonder. Th- no wonder they gave him crap. I mean, that's standard issue yeah. throughout. Co- okay, but then he's like, "Here's yeah. your national championship," and that <clears throat> every cafe yeah. and coffee shop around the state, they'd be like, "No, that Bros kid ain't bad." Got even in '96. Because they lost 19 to nothing at Arizona, like their first road game, and that was a total trap game. But if you read John Krakauer's book about um, uh, Pat Tillman, the year before they got beat, Arizona State got beat 70 to 28 at Nebraska. They circled Nebraska on the calendar next year, and you read John Krakauer's book about the guy, and they spent an entire chapter on the Nebraska game. And you find yourself pulling for Arizona State. That was their ultimate goal, and they pulled it off. And that Tillman got a couple of safeties in that game. That's the that, and that put Jake the Snake Plumber on the map as far as yeah NFL trajectory. All of a sudden, people are like, "Who's this Plumber guy down?" Because yeah, I mean, it is Arizona State, and that '96. I remember I was at my buddy Brad's house in Olathe, Kansas, watching that, being like, yeah. "What? Well, Nebraska can't win the national championship if they lose this game," you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and then um and you know, Isaiah Washington or no, Isaiah Mustafa, I'm sorry. Isaiah Mustafa, the old spice guy, was also on that team. So he was a receiver on the Sun Devils that year. He's the old so, spice guy? Yeah. You know the the guy on the horse, like I'm on a horse, that guy? Yeah. Because it was him and Terry Cruz. But he was on the uh Sun Devils. And the day he auditioned for the old spice role you have to message on uh, Jake Plummer's voicemail reading the lines just as a joke and he's like hi I'm you know like whatever and then he went and got the part so oh that's awesome he got some of that Jake the Snake mojo into that audition nailed it did he play pro at Mustafa Uh, I think he got on a team and then but just I think he was like practice squad player yeah okay okay I got you um Moving up to the late 90s, 98, 99, Bobby Newcomb. Now, I, when I saw this name, I was like, who? I completely do Bobby not remember. Bobby Newcomb was the quarterback who got, just put it bluntly, he got hosed by Eric Crouch because they were both, like, neck and neck at uh, the end of fall camp. And Eric Crouch was not going to be the starter, and he quit the team. And Frank Solich, head coach at the time, had to drive to Omaha and talk him back into playing. And then the crappy thing is Bobby Newcomb went out to split end near the punt and kick returner, but Eric Krause never threw in the ball unless it became, like, really important that they needed to get some yards. And I want to say it was 2,000 against Colorado, Nebraska, one on a walk-off field goal, and it was just Eric Crouch to the sideline to Bobby Newcomb. Eric Crouch to Bobby Newcomb, Eric Crouch to Bobby Newcomb. So, so he he – converted to wide receiver then for the last two seasons? Yeah, they're like, we'll put you there. And he, he probably, like, of all, like, the 90s Huskers, he just sort of had the most untapped potential. It was Bobby Newcomb. So, I kind of I kind of got a soft spot in my heart for him, but he's a state championship winning coach in Arizona now. He's pretty awesome. I think he got his PhD this year. So, Oh, that's awesome. You said, now, high school coach? Yeah, high school coach. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, then let's move to 2000 and 2001. Eric Crouch. Uh, Eric Crouch. Is, uh, is, he, a, is he a Nebraska kid? In the NFL. Is he a Nebraska yeah, kid? Yeah, from Omaha. Okay. Yeah, Omaha. And, I mean, so, like Bobby Newcomb, opted not to become a wide receiver, with, so then that pretty, that cost him an NFL career, correct? Yeah, and he gave away his uh, signing bonus. He gave back his full signing bonus, so, which was nice. But, like, Mike March was like, dude, you got to play – uh, receiver, we drafted you for this, and he's like, "No, I'm, there's a little bit of Kenny Powers at work there, you know." But he did it. But uh, yeah, he would have been a phenomenal receiver in the NFL. But he would have been the original but, Wes Welker, potentially. Yeah, would have been Kansas guy Wes Welker. So no, Texas Tech, or is he from? That's Kansas? right. Uh, you're thinking of Jordy no, Nelson. No, there's another receiver, Jordy Nelson, from Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, he's small-town farm Kansas boy. Done done yeah. good. Uh, now retired, I believe. Retired with the Raiders, yeah. I think. Um, 
Well, let's bump it up to 2002. When I saw this name, I was, I I remember the Jim hype. Daly? Jamal Lord. Jamal Lord. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he. Yeah, he's a good guy to throw an interception late in the game. So <laughs> he, yeah. He's Hell of a rusher. More, like him and then Joe Daly are probably the two most forgotten quarterbacks of the 2000s. Um. Did manage to rush for twenty almost twenty six hundred yards um, in the two yeah. years. That was back. I mean, the option was a son of a bitch, wasn't it? Just yeah, uns- no, it was good. That was like one of their last option teams. Um, moving on. Oh, I've never even heard this name, Joe Daly, two thousand and four. Joe, Joe Daly. Daly. Yeah, he was Bill Callahan's quarterback that he tried to shoehorn into the West Coast offense. So okay, and this is this is about when I. When I'm saving up money to move to LA, so I'm, I'm yeah, that's why I don't remember this guy. I wasn't watching much football in '04, um, but just kind of he just filled a position. That was pretty much his role and his legacy at Nebraska. Yeah, he because Bill Callahan, his whole thing was that he didn't modify his West Coast playbook for what they had on the roster. So Jim, Daly was a quarterback in the seventy to ten loss. The um, well, moving on from we'll, we'll just say he's the worst of this list. Hopefully, oh five oh six Zach Taylor coming out for six time pellets, please six time pellet. What was that last one, John? Uh, hold on one second. Okay, moving on to the next one, then that'll be Zach Taylor, 0506. Uh, he's the head coach of the Bengals now. He was a transfer quarterback that was actually really good, but he got lit up a ton. Uh, just so many sacks, but tough as nails. So, he was, so yeah, he was, he was the quarterback Bill Callahan wanted. That was gonna Did you say he plays for the Bengals? Was, no, he got – I think he was a backup quarterback, but he was – the offensive coordinator last year for the Rams. Oh, okay, okay. Now he's the head coach for the Bengals. Oh, okay, okay. Um, 07, Sam Keller? Sam Keller was Arizona State transfer, was the most hyped up big thing ever. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, he, uh, his dad was friends with Bill Callahan and got him the transfer gig at Nebraska. Sam Keller actually wrecked NCAA football. The EA Sports team. He's the one who filed the lawsuit about using players' numbers and stats. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Oh, eight. Joe Gantz. Exactly. Joe Gantz. He was the guy who almost bumped out Sam Keller, but Sam Keller uh, had the end with the coach, mm-hmm. and so they uh, played him. And that was both Lee's first year in quarterback. Dude, holds it's multiple. Uh... School records, so. Now, uh, who was the next one? Uh, Zach, Zach Lee, Lee. 09. Yeah, his dad played uh, quarterback for the Niners. And uh, I'm right here. Is that okay? Yeah, uh, yeah. Is there, is there, okay, right here. Okay. Uh, yeah, his dad, Zach Lee. Sorry, getting the uh, cat litter before they close. Um, Zach Lee. Oh, nice. Dad, getting the cat litter. It's, you got to save the bucks, oh, no, people. We're good. We're good. We're all set. Hold on one second. Um, Zach Lee's dad played on the Niners, and he was a great quarterback. But then what ended up happening was had uh, unauthorized knee surgery that Bo Pelini didn't sign off on, and that put him in the doghouse, and that cleared the way for uh, Taylor Martinez to start. Which was will probably be the last four-year starter in football college history in 10, 11, 12, and 13. I just remember the hype yeah. never really coming through. Is that a fair assessment? Just not quite as good as everyone thought he would be? Yeah. In just four years of that. Okay, and wrap it up. 14, 15, 16, Tommy Armstrong. Tommy Armstrong came in because Taylor Martinez. Rumor had it broken. Kicking a locker. That's why he got his foot injury, some people say. But he uh, came in also as a freshman and then got hurt his senior year. So, or no, he didn't get hurt his senior year. He played all four years. I take that back. Yeah, he uh, 
44 starts, almost 800. Yeah, Nebraska between Amir Abdullah and Rex Burkett, the running back, and Theo Martinez, they had the streak of seniors getting hurt right at the uh, end of the year, or right at the start of their senior year. It was really a drag. What about Tanner Lee, 2017? Tanner Lee, oh my gosh. that uh, He was a transfer from Tulane and was Mike Riley's big uh, savior quarterback, and the guy had absolutely zero running skills and would just sit there and just eat sacks all day long. And then uh, and then, <clears throat> who's been your uh, starter here the last two years? Uh, we uh, had uh, Adrian Martinez, who last year was this phenomenal, like, T-Magic 2.0, and this year he's regressing a bit. So he uh, he's really tentative this year. It's weird. And they're saying it's because he's getting better at making his reads, but it's taking him longer now because last year, like, we just don't have it on the first or second read, just take off running. So. Oh, okay. So it's more like uh... – Ignorance is bliss, kind of a thing. Now he's yeah. So like last night, they had a fourth and goal from like the four yard line, and late the game. This would have been third quarter, I think, or no, like mid fourth quarter. And uh, Adrian's in there. He's rolling out, and in our entire Husker bar of drunk fans, he's yelling "run," and there's still a solid three Mississippi counts. Where he decides to run and it's way too late. So, yeah, yeah, that's ever that's frustrating. Um, but Todd, I'll let you uh, get on with with your uh, your busy day. But I appreciate. Yeah. Oh um, no, we're all set now. But this is a fun quiz. Thank you. No, it was nice because <laughs> I just I, you guys have always the quarterbacks always been kind of the. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like even more so, like just in. a it's this is going to sound stupid, but like a very important position at Nebraska. I don't know. Like they never have a star. Why? You know, it's always they. I, I don't. It's hard to. I can't even explain. It, so I'm going to stop. But yeah, no, it was they've had like Tanner Lee was Mike Riley's NFL sure thing, and he signed to a couple different teams, but never. I don't, I think he's out of the league now, but he. Was just a, he could throw the ball, but he was just super flat-footed. Uh, same thing with Sam Keller with Bill Callahan. He was going to be the NFL stud, and he got his EA settlement money. And then it was against Texas A&M or Texas Tech that he broke his collarbone, and he was just going to be a one-year starter in senior year. And uh, that's when Joe Gams took over for him at the end of the year, and everybody's like, why isn't Joe Gams playing? Like, he's so much better. Yeah, this is a lot so, more fun to watch than uh, – yeah, Joe Gans, he had some crazy scrambling skills, and he, I think he's still at Youngstown State with Bo Pelini. He was uh, a graduate assistant in Nebraska and then went with Bo Pelini when he moved on to Youngstown State. So I think he's still there. So from Keller to Gans, it went from like a Roethlisberger to a Manziel overnight? Yeah, no, it totally was. And Joe Gans was tough as nails in the 2008 Gator Bowl against Clemson. With uh, Dabo Sweeney on the sideline and the Clemson side, that was his first bowl game as Clemson coach. He took a pretty good shot and uh, probably should have gone through concussion protocols, but didn't. And he sat out for like three plays and got back in the game somehow. So that was pretty amazing how tough that guy was. was That's a Husker right there. And then he went home and he cut down 38 acres of corn (laughs) in two hours. Well, that's how you get big, you know, like – that's why the Nebraska teams are so good in the 90s is all their linemen on offense and defense are just big farm guys. You have, like, that country strike. Well, yeah, and so, you, guys like, invented, about... you guys invented lifting in college. Like, yeah. no, no teams <laughs> did that before Nebraska did. In the, in the, uh-huh. Actually, it was Tom Osborne in, in, like, 76 or something like that. Yeah, they're like, here, because it was players were hurt. I think we talked about this in the Dodger game. Yes. It was when players were hurt. They're like, oh, they came back better after lifting weights. So, yeah, and then, that's all of a boys pleaser. And, and there was an there was an ultimatum given to the trainers, like, if these guys aren't stronger when we give them to you to lift weights constantly for the next six months, then yeah. you're going to be fired. He's like, okay, I like my yeah. chances. <laughs> no, that's that's part of like a string of dominance is that they were so far ahead of the curve, and now they're 
of behind things a little bit because Mike Riley weightlifting was optional. So that's weird. Got some holds. Yeah. Optional? No, no. Kind of optional. Like if you were a four-star player, you could kind of do whatever you wanted, and nobody was forced to max out or anything. So well, it's it's interesting how when a coach will leave at Nebraska, that's when like all like the real stuff kind of comes out. You're like, oh, so this was happening here. And I'm not, like, super big into, like, getting into, like, uh, the weird rumors, but some of the stuff you're like, oh, this makes so much sense. It explains know? a lot. Yeah. No, so. it, uh, you guys are about two more losing seasons away from a brand-new weight room and a brand-new press box. That's uh, Yeah. It's gonna have well, to... no, they, on Friday they announced the whole new facilities. Oh, okay. So you're right. You're, you actually nailed that because it'll be they'll be moving in in 2021. So are they just getting? Are they just leveling Memorial Stadium? No, what they're doing is they're leveling the track that's right next door. Um, Nebraska, you've been have you been to Nebraska? I've, you've I've, been to Nebraska. I've toured. I've seen a game there. So the, and uh, toured it. The track is right next door to the stadium, like where they do the track and field events, and they're moving that a different part of campus and so they're going to build some new practice fields whole new facility giant weight room um yeah they, it's going to be i think like 150 million dollars they said but they, they introduced the sizzle reel on friday and you're like yeah they're not messing around the new athletic director is bill moose he came from washington state before that he was at oregon he's the kind of guy of like I think he's sort of like the last of the mold of like the eighties, nineties athletic directors where they're not afraid to like they're they're sports guys first and business guys second. And Nebraska hasn't had anybody like that since the two thousands, so I mean at some point over the summer somebody came into his office and just goes, Look, Phil Knight isn't from Nebraska, okay? We can't just build yeah. everything you want. It's like, all yeah. right, fine. But um we'll stop at the weight room. What what it was funny though because you got for basketball you got Fred Hoiberg, the Iowa State Chicago Bulls coach, and so he pulled that down and got Scott Frost. Wait, the mayor then, is at Nebraska now? Yeah, and Rick Ross. Uh, Friday night was their first night of practice, and Rick Ross uh, was on the mic while the players were practicing. Shut up! Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, like that, and uh, he fully walked well, in when basketball season starts. You'll have to invite me back on, but. I think there's one kid left on the roster from last year with uh, Tim Miles. Uh, a couple <laughs> graduated, a couple others. He's like, hey, it'd be better if you just go play somewhere else. Does Tyrone Lue ever show up in Lincoln? Uh, he did finally last season or the year before. They kind of had a night for him because he didn't technically – he left early, and so there's always this thing of he didn't graduate. He left after his junior year. Right, so. but, it, I mean, it was him. It, was, it, was it Cookie Belcher? Cookie Belcher was one of them. Uh, then Mikey Moore. But, oh, uh, dude. Mikey Moore used to just beat seven up. Seven-foot journeyman. Dude, he was yeah. brutal. Like, he was a beast yeah. down low. Yeah. We used to play Street Fighter together at, uh, like, over the lunch hour in the student union. Wait, what? <laughs> really? Yeah. So, there was, like, an arcade, like, right when you walked in the student union, and there was a seven-footer playing Street Fighter, like, ready to take on any challengers. And hey, like, all right. hey, Todd. You in? No, yeah. man, I got to go to class. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right, one game. One game. No, it was, it was really kind of crazy. Like, like as a wide-eyed freshman, and you're like, oh, look at me. I'm playing Street Fighter with Mikey Moore and then uh, Tommy Frazier in the Spanish lab and stuff. And you're like, this is wild, you know. But and, and listeners, Mikey Moore, I mean, he's like a poor man's Rashid Wallace. It's, it's kind of the way he played. Just very aggressive. And, uh, yeah, and he played for like 15 years or something crazy. Because yeah. he had a good run on the Clippers, and I saw his name, and I'm like, is that the same Mikey Moore? And you're, what? And you're like, whoa. And <laughs> I, I didn't realize he'd been in the league for so long. Makes but, you feel young, though. It does. Um, yeah. Well, but, um, I, yeah. Todd, I appreciate it. We're definitely going to have to talk Dodgers because, um, you know, that's going to be fun. Uh, yeah, Big, high on ex- Friday night. High so. expectations. You're not going to go Thursday? Uh, no, we uh, sold the tickets because they're giving away that Cody Bellinger bobblehead. Yeah. 
and we've already got like three or four Cody Bellinger bobbleheads. Yeah, but so. you don't have the playoff Cody Bellinger bobblehead. But I don't need. Like, it's, I get there you. comes a point when you get so many, you just start like running out of space. I got you. We got a good price for those tickets, so it helps because we always sell off a couple of regular playoff games, and then if they make it to the series, we sell one of those, and that will pretty much cover our playoff package. Nope, it's smart. Oh. It's smart shopping. It's. Yeah, it's a fair price. And like for World Series, it's always last year has been the game one that the Dodgers have hosted. And you're like, all right, then you maybe get to see him win it or do something like, yeah, it's fun. So, like in 17, it was we sold game one and then went to games two, six, and seven, plus all the other playoff games. For, and it covered, uh, one game covered all of that. So, it's like one of the big perks of having season tickets. It's a, it's a weird investment that no financial advisor would ever recommend doing. Like, but well, if it, it catches, then it works. A couple key factors. One, you know, a nice postseason run helps. Um, yeah. But, you know, like any good game, you got to know when to go all in and when to pull the bet back, you know. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we'll be, we'll be talking Dodgers soon. And, again, listeners, BigRedFury.com. Just click the link. I'll have the link. It's right there in the bio. Just click on it. Um, at the Munson on Instagram and on Twitter at Big Red underscore Fury, F-U-R-Y. Yeah. Because uh, some other guy is the other one who doesn't tweet anymore. But, uh, Snake did. Before snake eight years before I had the idea, so can't be mad at him. Did I get all the plugs though? We're we're good. You did, you did. I, I thought for a little little LA trivia though, I thought of that name, Big Red Fury, in the House of Pies. So that's my place to go work. Uh, <laughs> trying to brainstorm stuff. So I'm gonna slice a pie and just stare at it until I come up with enough good ideas to earn a bite. And I came up with like I think like seven or eight Husker names, and that's the one that jumped out. So. Well, I like it. It's a lot better than yeah, Husker. Yeah, so Tarantino wrote Reservoir Dogs in the House of Pies. I came up with Figure of Fury at the House of Pies, so it works out. Well, Todd, I can only hope you're on your way to the House of Pies right now to think of some more genius ideas. Um, yeah, going in the right direction now, so it'll be good. <laughs> well, good That's luck with the cat shit. I'm glad you're stocked up for a couple months. Um, yeah. Good luck with the rest of the Cornhusker season, I guess. But uh, go Dodgers. Yeah, nice run. You. you drive I safe, so. and uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Okay, cool. Thanks for having me on. that he can just bam 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 and eric i'm sorry you know the, you know we can't always be there listener on every you know. no we can't we got this is the one dude this is a podcast that's three the partners are three thousand miles apart if you guys just tuned in of course she's in los angeles keeping track of all dodger the dodgers goings on as they head to the postseason i'm here in the big apple new york city uh where we have a new, uh, we have a new rookie home run champ peter alonzo all the mets fans are overjoyed and, of course, the Yankees fans are telling themselves that they don't need pitching to win a World Series. That's what's happening here in New York. Plus, which, Daniel Jones, we don't know who Eli Manning is anymore because Daniel Jones has now got the Giants of 2-2. Two and two. And uh, that and the Jets lost their bye. Uh, they fall to 0-4, uh, which I'm just kidding. Patriots, uh, the very scrappy Buffalo Bills, uh, the best team in the New York State area. Uh, they uh, It was a squeaker. And uh, and Mahomes had a little bit of trouble there in uh, in uh, in, De- in Detroit. Zero Very interesting. Passes. Zero touchdown passes. That was uh, that's probably the first time he's that's happened in his career. But, but that, but the most important thing, she's and to all you Chiefs fans in Chief Kingdom, is you guys found a way to win. Brady also had a terrible game, but that is the mark of a real contender, a real champion. That even when your stuff doesn't go right, or the other team takes what you do well away that you still find a way to win. We'll see. It's one game at a time. Uh, we are on to whoever we're on to. <laughs> but we sure do miss uh, having a pass receiver like Antonio Brown, no matter what his troubles are, and uh, with Josh Gordon and Edelman a little banged up. Uh, anyway, she's this. Uh, there's more this week, everybody. Uh, this has been a, a, a quick episode for us, but a new but thank you to Thurman Munson. 
guys, you can uh, uh, you can find me every Sunday night at the uh, at Open Mic Show in New York, uh, which is O'Keefe, 62 Court Street, 8.30 Sunday nights, after right as the late game, is the Sunday night football is beginning. Uh, and uh, starting October 12th, O'Keefe's will now have a book show Saturday nights, 9 o'clock, Saturday nights, 9 o'clock, starting October 12th. Yeah. I'll be hosting... I'll be hosting the West, uh, the Wild Wild West Comedy Show, October fifth, Saturday night at eleven o'clock. That is at the West Side Comedy Club uh, in the Upper West Side, sort of seventy fifth in Amsterdam, which is very New York talk. You're kind of close to Broadway there. Uh, she's are one of your plugs. I was going to say with O'Keefe's too. You just go right over the bridge. You go like two blocks, take a right. It's right there. You cannot miss it. Uh, we had a great show Sunday night, and then me, Willie, and Matt Egger took a little bit of walk over. We walked over the the Brooklyn Bridge. We're going to do that as long as it's nice out. We went to the Grizzly Bear for a late night spot, uh, and uh, I'm actually on my way. Uh, I'm on my way tonight to do a little guest spot at the New York Comedy Club with our old friend Amy Hawthorne. Was nice enough to give me a guest spot at the New York Comedy Club on 24th, the Gramercy location. Hell yeah! Uh, as far as plugging. It's October, everybody. Have a safe October, shocktober, sobertober, whatever you guys are doing. Uh, make sure to get out and get your slutty costumes for Halloween that's coming. I don't know if you heard this. Halloween is coming October 31st, as usual. And uh, we'll need a lot of... I'll be going as slutty Philip Seymour Hoffman, as I usually do. Uh, it's a pretty good costume. People like to like... Uh, you know, it's an Oscar-winning costume. Uh, and so, uh, guys, until until you hear from us next, later this week, I'm Eric Reno. That's John Cheezer. This is the train whistle. Stay obsessed.